Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of View Dependent, the podcast that brings you the latest news, reviews, and perspectives on neural radiance fields, otherwise known as NERFs. My name is Michael Rubloff and I'm joined by my co-host Jonathan Stevens. On today's episode, we'll be going through the latest NERF news such as Matt Tansik's move over to Luma, as well as Apple's WWDC event. The main focus of today's episode will be the paper called Neuralangelo from the NVIDIA team, which you may have heard a little bit about. There's been a ton of speculation about how this is going to affect both the NERF and photogrammetry community, but we'll dive into all of that and more on today's episode. So whether you're a seasoned NERF herder or you're just getting started, there's going to be something in this podcast for you. Please enjoy the episode. All right. Well, so let's go ahead and get started then. There's been a lot of news this week. You know, first up, the biggest thing I think to come out of the Nerf world is Matt Tansik is going over to Luma. Matt is yeah. also known <laughs> as the uh, co-founder of Nerf Studio and several, several other Nerf papers, including the original Nerf can, paper itself. Can we redo this, by the way? Yeah. One thing. Can you hear my kids? They're reading loud outside my door. I would think we should actually probably introduce me as well. Because you're going to monologue, okay. and then we're not going to jump in and, like, I'm assumed, like, uh, let's have some banter. Uh, say, hey, hey, Jonathan, you're like, because this is our first episode, so we should probably introduce ourselves as well, or whatever. You be, uh, right. hey, Jonathan, you're like, hey, yeah, okay. So, you can take a crack at that. Sure. This is this is messy. This is the fun part of the first episode. Yeah, yeah, no, it'll be a lot a lot of edits, but it'll, it'll turn out well. Yeah, cool. We'll just dump all this, by the way. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no one will ever see us. Hopefully. <laughs> Anyways, so my co-host, yeah, so be is like, Jonathan. be like, be like, hey, welcome, Jonathan, welcome to the show. Yeah. I'm excited. This is our first show. Let's let's get this started. Let's be, you know, people who don't know us, let's let's give them a quick bio. Okay, right. Yeah, we'll right. bring a lot of energy. I want some, I want some clipping on the audio. Yeah. So this is episode number one for us, and I'm extremely excited to have my co-host Jonathan Stevens here who is the chief evangelist over at every point to talk all things about nerfs. And we're, we're excited to be able to actually get going to tell you all about nerfs. And yeah. Yeah. Really, really excited, Michael. Um, yeah. Like, like I said, you know, I'm chief evangelist at every point, but I've been really just keeping my eye on the ball on nerfs and you, you yourself has started uh, neural radiance fields to IO the website. And so I think there's just a lot to talk about and there's no podcast. There's not much content in general. Me and you have made a, a huge impact in the, in the world of nerfs. Just because the lack of content, lack of understanding. Uh, so that's, yeah, that's what we're here to do. Break down news, talk about topics, interview people. Really exciting. Yeah. So thanks for getting this together. Uh, of course. Yeah, what's that? Yeah. So yeah. Jonathan, actually, I originally reached out to Jonathan a little bit over a year ago, maybe like a year and four months or so. And at the time, it was really just Jonathan that was putting out content about nerfs. And for me, coming into the space, I truly knew nothing. And you know, for me, it was like a quest of how do I get Jonathan Stevens' attention to actually help me build out nerfs? And you know, since then the field has really exploded. And you know, that leads us to today, where now we're finally being able to help pass along some of what we've learned to anyone who will listen. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, when I started out, it was pure curiosity for our team as a computer vision company, making sure this isn't new technology that's gonna just eradicate or just replace everything we're working on. Um and so, yeah, and I started making tutorial content that NVIDIA picked up and the world picked up. So, yeah, we're just here to educate and, uh, you know, give us your each viewpoint on what we think nerfs are going. Because I, I say, Michael, you got a lot different um, background and 
and look. I come from a very technical background. I think about com uh, commercial use and industrial use, and you think more creative space. So we, we have two different viewpoints here. So I'm excited about that. Um, so yeah, let's jump into the news. What do you think? Yeah, let's let's go for it. So there's been actually quite a lot of news just even within the last 24 hours. The biggest thing that's gone on is Luma AI, one of the leading Nerf platforms specifically for iOS, has hired Matt Tansik. And for those who don't know who Matt Tansik is, there's maybe maybe two or two or three other people that could claim to be a deeper expert in the worlds of neural radiance fields than Matt. He is an author of the original Nerf paper, as well as uh, a co-founder for Nerf Studio, and is also a co-author of papers such as Instruct Nerf to Nerf, uh, Language Embedded Radiance Fields, and pretty much you would be hard-pressed to go within uh, more than three paragraphs of any Nerf paper without seeing his name being cited somewhere. So it's a huge, huge hire for Luma, and I'm, I'm excited to see what Matt is able to contribute to their team. Yeah, definitely. There's a very few names that come up when you think of the you know original you know group of scientists in this in this field. He's definitely one of them. Probably has one of the deepest knowledges when it comes to this. Uh, I actually had interviewed him on a podcast, and he explained nerfs in such a elegant way that hopefully most anyone be, would be able to pick that up. And I th I think he'll be a huge asset for them. Um, what one crazy thing is is there's not a lot of places to land for a nerf researcher nowadays. So what you're at. If you want to work for a large company like Google, uh, Apple, obviously they, they, I'm sure they're hiring people who are doing Nerf research, but if you don't want to work in that big, large corporate situation, you know, Luma AI is it. And uh, it's exciting to see them grow as they've gotten the latest funding. Um, so I, I do wonder like what, what, what that means. Are they just going to be, is he going to work on improving Luma's quality of output? Something, does he got new, th new tricks in the bag we have yet to see? <laughs> It'll be interesting. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it's also going to be interesting, too, to see what happens to Nerf Studio. As I mentioned, you know, he's one of the co-founders of the platform. And from what I've been able to see so far, it doesn't seem like he's going to be 100% uh, with Luma. It seems like there's still going to be some development of Nerf Studio continuing on. Uh, and I was going through the Nerf Studio Discord quite a bit, kind of going through this, this thread. Uh, where Matt actually can be found pretty often responding to any troubleshooting or, or anything mm -hmm. really that you want to reach out to him about. And he was still saying, you know, Nerf Studio is going to continue. So I'm very curious to see how the two continue down the, the road in terms of Luma and Nerf Studio. But both serve amazing purposes within the, the Nerf community. Yeah. And you, you definitely hope to see Nerf Studio continue on. Well, well, this doesn't surprise me either that that we continue because it's, it is a community project. If you think about it, that's an open source continuum of of code being committed it's not just matt or the original like three four people who worked on it now that is really grown and so i don't think he needs to be like one of the sole people committing code to that project to see it flourish um but yeah i do wonder if he'll be like definitely not as engaged in you know the github portion of it responding you know what what, what that is but also, you know, I've talked to, I've talked to, you know, recently I talked to the creator of OpenMVG. That's for us, uh, multi-view geometry. Um, and he had a, he has a project, an open source project that he did a decade ago he started. And he's still actively doing that at the same time, working for one of the, you know, one of the, the, the largest um, special computing companies. And uh, it's not like, hey, when he got hired, you have to stop that. In fact, it, to him, it was like his way to 
work on things outside of what he can't talk about. Because I'm sure whatever at Luma AI they're working on, he can't talk about publicly until it's out there. Um, but there's something else unrelated, but also in this, you know, he can, he can, you got the outlet of being able to talk about what he's working on in that other, the other part of the research. So it'll be exciting. That was big yeah. news. Not surprising yeah, like at the same time, surprising. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have like the Avengers of, of the Nerf team now. I mean, they have, they have, Matt, <laughs> they have uh, Alex Yu and, you know, uh, Matt's advisor, Professor uh, Andrew Kanazawa as well. So it's yeah. been pretty impressive to see the team that they've assembled thus far. And, you know, it's, it's pretty awesome to see uh, everyone going towards the mission of essentially, I think what they say is uh, democratizing, you know, access to 3D content. And uh, I was actually following a thread yesterday by uh, Amit Jain, who is the CEO of Luma, uh, talking about how he views photos versus 3D content and you know, really being able to push everything forwards into a 3D environment, which is something that always resonated with me for Nerf is just how do we take where the current state of photography is and push it forward into a more uh, ubiquitous format of 3D content. So I'm very, very excited to see what yeah. the, the Luma team is going to be doing. Yeah. That's how Matt says he's trying to make 3D easy. So uh, uh, well, I want to touch on that topic further down in the news, but uh, let's let's jump to our next news item that we had lined up here. Uh, yeah. Murph, uh, memory efficient radiance fields that code is available again that might have been a news that actually when that came out murph might have been something that you totally missed if you are paying attention to what's happening in nerfs but basically it was a paper that was published that made um i was able to look at now a a pre-trained uh nerf on a mobile device or you know like a non-high-end device and get really really good fidelity and not need that high-end GPU. Um, but the code is not available. So yeah, Michael, now you get to play with it. Yeah, no, I've been looking forward to being able to kind of get in there and, and explore with Murph. You know, we've seen, and the interesting thing about, you know, the Murph paper itself is that it is a partnership with Google. And we have seen Google start to venture a little bit more into the worlds of NERFs over the last few months. Uh, you know, you have the immersive view within Google Maps and then you know, pretty quietly, uh, I would say relatively, they, they announced product nerfs for specifically with the vertical within shoes, I believe. And so now that Murph is available, I'm kind of curious to see, does Google start to expand the verticals at which uh, nerfs are going to appear within product search? Or does that just mean that shoes become even more popular all of a sudden now that this code base is available? I'm kind of curious to see what the, the follow-up from this new code is going to be. Yeah. Um, and one thing I did notice, because I did... I did go to the GitHub page to see what um, what the code implementation looks like, and it's definitely it's built on Jack. So um, again, that might be over a lot of people's heads. Just know it's like optimized and work on Linux. So a lot of people might not play with it right now, but um, you know, there's if if you spend some time, you can figure it out how to get your own data in there. You can run Jacks on a, on a Windows machine if you know what you're doing. Um, so I, yeah, I'll be excited because I'm tired of having to be the only way to really look at a nerf in real time is to have you know an, an nvidia rtx 33,000 plus <laughs> series and uh not everyone has that so everyone just yeah. thinks nerfs a pre-rendered video just because it's the only way i'm able to show it to you on the internet but if i was yeah. able to you know say hey click this link and look at a real-time nerf on your side on a browser i think it'll we'll cross that gap realizing this is actually not an offline only view but you can have a real-time view 
Right. And I think we're headed in that direction as well with some of the other papers too. Like, uh, for instance, the one of the co-founders of Bolinga AI, which is a plugin uh, native to Nerf Studio that allows you to open a file in Unreal Engine, or sorry, Nerf in Unreal Engine, uh, just published a paper called Nerf Lite, which essentially really decreases the the memory and size footprint of a, a Nerf file and will hopefully kind of go hand in hand, uh, at least I'm hoping for, uh, in the future to make it a little bit easier for, you know, the average uh, mobile device to power, uh, to, to visualize a Nerf right on in browser. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> we're heading in the right direction there. All right. Yeah. So moving on to a couple more uh, things in the news. Uh, you want you want to talk about Apple really quick since yeah. we were just uh, it, it just happened. Your know, WWDC was just a couple of days ago. Everyone was kind of wondering, are they going to say the words neural radiance field? Will how many times will they say artificial intelligence during the actual uh, presentation? And I think that it was zero. <laughs> I think, yeah, I don't think you know. Was. They weren't all talking about AI. It was um, it was machine learning. They said that, you know, they, it's kind of like AI is the hot topic word to use. Almost like if you don't understand AI, you just say, oh, it's AI. But they were like, no, this is we use machine learning here. They use some other more technical terms. But also the audience they are talking to is what, developers. That is their key people they're talking to. So it makes sense that they didn't just say AI, 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 like Google would. Right. Um, but right. uh, it's definitely present. We didn't see any Nerf technology uh, shown, which I think it could be a good thing. Um, but that, didn't that, see anything that was utilizing Nerf technology in the background is kind of what I'm wondering. You know, it was very interesting to hear their messaging around spatial photos uh, and kind of reliving uh, these immersive memories as, as something that I kind of view as one of the primary cases, use cases of Nerfs themselves. And it's been really interesting to kind of see what Apple is thinking from their new headset and you know going forwards and how humans are gonna interact with content. Uh, one question I had was, is the headset gonna be stable enough to actually record usable footage to you know relive in a 3D environment or is it gonna be too shaky? Yeah, um, I think it will. I think Apple doesn't, doesn't put anything out there shaky or not consumer ready. Um, it's going to have, I mean, it's not ready yet though. I mean, uh, the headset's not out till next year. I'm not, not surprised that about that because it didn't sound like they're ready, but they're kind of being forced into it. I, I think whatever they're going to put out there is going to feel as close to magic as possible, especially at that price point. Um, it's gotta be, you can't have shaky footage at a $3,500 price point. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, being able to put it on, try it out, see exactly, you know, what Apple has been working on for, uh, you know, God knows how long. I, I think mm -hmm. it's been a long time coming. You know, the internet has just been ablaze, I would say, the first half of this year with the expectation of it being released. And now that, you know, it's been out there, uh, I, I'm, you know, starting my countdown clock of when I can actually get to try it myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the, the, I've been, been keeping a keen eye on just the people who have got to try it at, the, at, at WWDC Live. And, you know, they all said, well, it lives up to the hype of what they saw, but also keep, in, yeah, keep that in mind, the fact that it cost so much that, uh, it, it, you know, it's got to be magic. You know, you're not going to put a thing out that's, what, over three times more expensive than the, the, the Quest Pro. <laughs> and not be feel like you get 3x the quality or 3x the experience so yeah, yeah it'll be exciting 
But I was yeah. also excited at WWDC this, you know, it, they're always making developments for developers for iOS and, you know, iPad OS and all those. And, and they are pushing um, just the whole entire AR kit, reality kit, being able to, to make 3D models uh, much easier using embedded, you know, the, the embedded APIs they have for photogrammetry, um, world building, um, things like that. And, and to me, that's that's really exciting because all that crosses over into into nerfs as well. And so I'm sure one day they'll just be like a images to nerfs and you won't even, you know, you don't have to deal with all this stuff that we deal with. It'll just be a magical version of it. Right, exactly. So uh, I'm excited to see where, where it goes. And yeah, two other quick papers just wanted to throw out there for that have been in the news recently are uh, InPaint Nerf 360 and then Deceptive Nerf. And, you know, by extension, uh, we can also talk about Nerf Buster as well, which kind of does a, a similar uh, thing in mind. But we've seen a few different editable uh, Nerf papers, such as, uh, you know, Instruct Nerf to Nerf, uh, also going back to Matt Tansik, as well as Nerf Shop. Uh, but where InPaint Nerf 360 really comes into uh, being is that it's able to provide complete 360 uh, in painting within a nerf itself. And from what I understand, it really utilizes depth uh, to understand from depending on what the view is uh, of what that like bounding box should actually be capturing in order to make it editable, which I think is something that is pretty crazy to see um, in terms of, you know, how fast everything has been progressing. And I, I think it's going to be a really useful tool that you know, eventually will be paired with some of the other papers such as LERF uh, to make insanely cool use cases out of it. Yeah, I think that's something people have been waiting for. Just more options to edit, more options to fix up, touch up. I, I got really excited when they had the VR version of, of NGP just for the fact that it could erase something. Oh, yeah. Uh, let alone in-paint something. Um, and yeah. so I just, I see that that was always kind of like the thing as... Nerfs were really good for capturing a space as is, and you got what you got. <laughs> and you, right. But it's kind of like, no, no, no. Well, now we can, now this you can add things cool. in, fix things you don't want in the scene, put things, put things, you know, over something to hide it. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it's extremely exciting. And um, then, you know, we also have the the paper, you know, Deceptive Nerf, which essentially introduced this concept called a pseudo-observation. And essentially what that means is uh, if there's a gap of data within an actual nerf, and, you know, typically from there you'll either get just a void or you'll get a ton of artifacts. But this actually is able to sample those points of missing data and evaluate the local proximity to it and essentially fill in um, a generative uh, image that will kind of take the place of that to help fill in and give it more context. So it's pretty amazing stuff. And um, in terms of getting, you know, nerfs cleaner and cleaner, I, I have a little bit of mixed emotions on it based upon, you know, inserting just overtly, uh, you know, not actual data into real life environments. But I think as a whole, the, the technology is it's kind of brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, it, it was inevitably coming, all this, being able to just edit things, change things. So, yeah, yeah. It, it'll be interesting. Uh, I I also could see just doing like these, I, I could just imagine for even doing like, I don't know, self-driving car training simulations, things like that. Because, you know, that's where I come from, the viewpoint of how you use industrial. And it's like, well, maybe you're removing things that shouldn't have been in the scene. So you have an ideal canvas 
to work off of for perhaps say you want to do like some warehouse simulation. It's like, ooh, there's a couple of things sitting out there in the nerf that we didn't want. Well, we can take those out, but then we can also put things in. <laughs> right. This, hey, what would it be like if this thing was in the, in, in the way? Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely going to get more helpful to have some editing tools that, uh, yeah, just did not yeah. exist about six months ago or right. And a few months ago. Going back to you know the the VR side of Instant NGP, you know, it's a very therapeutic activity actually to go into a nerf in full VR and to start like removing the artifacts as well. It kind of feels like you're, uh, uh, you know, either painting or chiseling away, which you know you can maybe use as a segue into our main topic, who is named after, uh, you know, the sculptor and painter Michelangelo, which mm -hmm. is new product from NVIDIA called Neuralangelo, which has kind of set the internet on fire in terms of uh, some of the things that have been uh, thought of and one of the places that might be making some large changes to other existing technology. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to, I'm going to actually sh just add to our, our screen. So if you're, if you're not listening, but actually watching this on, on YouTube stream, I got some visuals I'm going to put up on here because I, I think, I think showing is almost the best way to understand, um, this, this new, uh, um, what do you call it? Uh, you know, this new paper, this new technology versus just talking about it, but, um, it just swept my social media in a single day. How about yours, Michael? Do you see anything else newsworthy come out that day? No, you know? that was pretty much, you know, dominating the uh, Nerf news cycle for me. And, you know, a lot of big claims were being thrown out from a lot of people around the internet. You know, I think the, the main question is, you know, is this death to photogrammetry on the spot? Yeah. Well, my strong feeling is no, not even close. This is not going to replace photogrammetry, but um, that's my viewpoint. Um, I, yeah, you know, um, I think we should start out kind of like what 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 even it is. Mm -hmm. um, and if you look at their like abstract, they, they kind of call it out. They say it's a, a, a powerful, you know, a powerful reconstruction alternative for recovering 3D surfaces via image based neural rendering. So like what they're saying there is it's in the past. Most of the ways you want to represent a discrete surface, discrete being like an actual wall. Uh, an object, a real thing there, and it's like like got a hard surface you could let's say in a game engine pick it up. Uh, you used photogrammetry. That's taking images. You figure out okay, where's our common points between the images? Okay, those common points are surfaces. Figuring out points on the surface and then wrapping it in some sort of mesh and then putting some textures on it. And that that ten, that's like the 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 current way. Uh, that most companies use. And then, so this is saying, oh, we're going to do exactly that, but now we're going to use a neural rendering. We're going to use a neural engine. We're going to use AI. We're going to predict where that surface is. So it's just a completely different way. Um, and, and to be honest, this actually isn't new technology that they have here. It's not like, the, oh, we just for the first time came up with 3D reconstruction from uh, using a neural network. That's, um, that's been around for um, a, a, a little while. It's just, this is way better than anything they've done in the past. Um, so that's exciting. So if you read that abstract, it might go over some of your heads, but, um, that's what they're doing is just think of, uh, what photogrammetry does, but with a neural network, um, that is better than anything that's been done in the past in a neural network. So, yeah. And so if I, if I drag down here, you're going to see that you got this, you know, these, these great 3d models and there was no photogrammetry to get that surface. And I think you can like jump around if so I'm, 
if you were to go to the website for Neural Angela, and we'll put those in the sh show notes, um, it shows just different scenes. Um, of course, they're not loading on my, my screen, but here's like a, a building, and they'll show like the old method, which is this news NEUS -E is like the like one of the older versions where just you could get a building, but it was it's like think of if you ever use instant NGP and you try to get a mesh out of it, it's just kind of like really low quality. Well, that's kind of like where that was about. Um, but Neural Angelo, it's like a ton of those details come into focus. Yeah, exactly. And it seems like, you know, for me, uh, we or I have a Nerf Discord channel where, you know, we try and provide any troubleshooting or just a place for people to talk about nerfs. And when it comes to Instant NGP, one of the questions we get most often is, how do I get a mesh out of Instant NGP? What's the, what's the cleanest way to do this? And for a long time, you know, like, like you were mentioning, it really, uh, that's not what it was intended to do at the time. But now with, I think, this in innovation, you know, we're starting to get to that point where it's becoming a reality. And yeah. uh, we can go into it a little bit more about the timelines that are associated perhaps with when we'll see it in Instant NGP. But the way that it seems like it, it works is really two parts that power Neural Angelo. Um, it, obviously, it's building upon uh, Instant NGP as well as uh, SDFs as well. But there's really two different parts that they utilize. It's they actually use uh, numerical gradients as opposed to analytical ones, where uh, previously, you know, the gradients were, were more functioning on a more localized level and wasn't able to really expand across a larger area. So if you had like a wall, for instance, and they, they demonstrate actually a few different walls and buildings in the product page. Mm -hmm. uh, but now it's able to actually understand on a larger scale how to get a high fidelity uh, and more like texture within it. So if you'll notice, you'll see a lot of them will show either the bricks or some of them will have like, uh, I don't know, like an, like an HVAC unit or something on the side of the building that perhaps wasn't really you know, going to be glossed over uh, in prior methods, but now it's really able to um, be seen and visualized. And the other way that they you know have this powered essentially is through a course to fine uh, method. So similar to how you have uh, you know AABB going from uh, two to sixteen, for instance, they they have a, a similar method in that you know they have different levels between you know two, four, six, eight, sixteen, uh, which yeah. will introduce more and more detail. So I think about it this way: is like at the lowest level, uh, it makes up the shape of a building. Like okay, there's a building there. It's kind of like a blob. But you're like, oh, that's probably that big giant bump's got to be a building, somewhat shaped like that. Then the next up, you know, level is like, okay, now I can figure out roof versus walls versus some basic geometry. And then the next level is like, okay, now, now I'm starting to figure out like not just roof and walls, but you know, maybe where the windows indent a little bit. But you're still not getting a lot of detail. So each time it iteratively goes through and it it keeps refining. And then so like once it's got a major like a major wall where it's well, really well defined and you have a big flat surface, it'll keep refining just that part of the model. Um, and, and that way you can keep producing finer and finer detail in that final output. Um, and, and you kind of yeah. see that with like octrees is something you see in, 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 in structure from motion photogrammetry. It's kind of like taking a section and it works on it and then it breaks that section up into four sections and it works on each four section. And then, you know, as you split each section in fours, you know, you, you you can get more and more fine detail. And then there's parts where perhaps it's, it, there's a loss function. You get less and less detail out of it. Well, it can stop getting, you can focus on getting more detail out of the the more, um, you know, complex areas, which is kind of a neat way that it speeds it up as well. And then it also, 
it's also optimized to look for like you know losses and curve and and flatness and it's like okay i understand it's a wall and it's pretty darn flat and it's just going to make it flat as opposed to trying to make it curved things like that it does right. pretty well it's it's interesting um, too to see the breadth of examples that they give because on one of them it's like it's like looks like almost like a surgical tray where they show these different you know like scissors and other instruments uh and mm -hmm. you can see the level of detail that they're able to actually visualize and refine. I think it's scan 37. If you, if you go up just a, a little bit, it's, uh, yeah, that second one, scan 37, I think. Yeah. Uh, once it, once it loads, but it, it's interesting to see like this, like, you know, tray here to me, and you're able to actually see the level of details. I'm not sure if that's a, what, what you know, specific instrument it is, but you can see the ridges within the actual, uh, metal itself compared to, you know, the prior methods. And you can see how well it works on small scale, but then you also go to some of the other uh, scans that are really large items, such as like the courthouse, for instance, and you're yeah. able to get so much more detail pulled back out of it that it's very fascinating to me that it's able to work in both cases like that. It's really not one or the other. So I'm excited to see how, how you can use it for yeah. the various cases. Now, I will point out, uh, I think this is where people still are getting confused. People are still going to understand this whole technology. Um, is that if they show these, if you watch the video, you see this this awesome visual of this. So I'm looking on, on my screen again. If you're to jump in and you to to the to the web page that we'll have in the show notes, and you go down and you look at let's say the John Hopkins University um, building, uh, you see, and you've got this cool spire, and you get like the the background, you see the skyline and all that. Um, and you're like, wow, all that's mesh. It's like, no, not actually, because what you're looking at there is still, a, a, it's, it's, it's producing two outputs. You get you get your uh, view synthesis, which is like a nerf. You're getting what it's gonna look like from that, from that angle, but then you're getting a mesh and the mesh is not textured. Those aren't linked together. It's not like you're getting a texture on top of the mesh. Um, and so that's why, does it replace photogrammetry right now? No, because you still need a textured mesh. This is only optimized to get geometry, not not textures. Um, so, like, keep that in mind. And it does like normals and all that map mapping, all that. But until you get the the, the textures, you're kind of like just getting you're getting almost the whole photogrammetry output, but minus that. Um, but if you really know what you're doing, if you get the camera poses and you get the geometry, you can do you can do texture mapping yourself um, after the fact if you want. But um, I think if people look for an end-to-end -end solution for making game-ready objects for Unreal Engine or something like that. Um, this is going to get good geometry, but you're still not getting you're not getting that textured mesh that we're used to using. So, that, Michael, that pushes me into question: What are we using this for? Yeah, it's a great question, you know. <laughs> and um, I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure what the answer to that question is just yet. And part of the reason why I say that is uh, it, it's not disclosed actually how long it takes to train this. So while we have the finished you know results right in front of us, um, even though it's built on top of instant NGP, I, I am pretty positive that it's not trainable as fast as instant NGP and takes quite a bit longer based upon what I saw in the paper. So I, I'm very curious to see how long it would actually take to because I, I think that's also something you'd have to take in consideration for a real yeah. world case now they did have some speed benchmarking in the supplementary but again i don't know how to do the math they benchmarked it with you know a, a crazy crazy pc configuration so or computer configuration so it's like well i don't have that so like what it, what does that mean for me versus someone who's got you know multiple gpus set up um yeah 
and not just regular GPUs. We're looking at the, you know, the, the tensor core packed ones. So uh, if you do, cause there's no code out and you do want to play with, with basically the same technology to get these high quality meshes, uh, from a neural network, I do suggest you check out, um, SDF studio, which is basically the same technology and it's built on uh, Nerf Studio. So you can just, if you have Nerf Studio installed, you can go get SDF Studio. And it's basically like, think of it as like Nerf Studio, you've got these different Nerf plat, uh, implementations you can test out. Well, this is the same thing, you got all these different SDF, and that's SDF is, is, is basically the process to get this geometry. Um, and and you, can, you can play with it on your own PC to like see how it works and start to learn about it as well. So that's my recommendation, um, so. Yeah. There's that you can play that. I I reckon I think they're going to use this again just for, I uh, hey I want to it's, it's it's you're starting to get these real time renderings and game engines of these sort of environments. It's like well I don't care if I have a textured mesh if I could render using Murph and other technology if I could render the neural network in real time that the Nerf visualization and then have the the geometry behind it in as an invisible layer I got everything I need. It's like. As long as I don't have to pick up the object and play with it, um, and I'm just trying to build, let's say, a world I can run around in, and then I can populate with other meshes that I create myself, well, there we go. I can create a whole world with just a nerf and the 3D geometry and have all the collision layers and everything. I think that's where this is going to head. We'll see what we'll see what they do. I'm sure it's going to be part of the Omniverse. Like, like maybe I want to get a, a, a I want to get a warehouse or um, a, I don't know a football stadium as an arena to put some sort of experience in well i can just nerf that whole darn thing using neural angelo and then build some sort of game inside that so i don't have to go you know build build yeah. that environment around it and i think where it'll also continue to go to is uh i think a lot of papers or these methods will end up utilizing lerf or language embedded radiance fields to uh help power other experiential items so the example that Matt Tansik gave in his lecture at uh, MIT was a grocery store essentially querying their entire inventory with LERF and allowing, you know, wayfinding capabilities for customers mm -hmm. to say, you know, what aisle yeah. are these chips in and the computer being able to route it. Yeah, that, that truly gets to your, like, your, uh, well, that, that's got his own can of worms that he threw out there, <laughs> but that gets into your spatial computing of, you know, being able to, it merged like a, a, a digital and a physical, you know, that there's a physical reality out there and there's a digital version of that out there. And if you can, you can merge those through something like a headset, you can, you can say those things or your, even your phone where it can guide you to it. Uh, right. I say it's a big can of worms because I don't know if you've ever been to like a Lowe's or a Home Depot, uh, they'll tell you where it's supposed to be. And maybe even last time that thing was seen, but people are picking it up and moving it all the time. So unless this nerf is updating, like all the time products are, obviously being moved all the time um, yeah i just know that for a fact but you know like oh i guess the cereal always be where it's supposed to be you just might show up and there might not be any left or something or you know if it's a rare item it may have gotten moved but uh you know i, I do know there's a can of worms where people are always saying like oh well i'll just be able to query it in a store and it'll walk me right to it and i know it's like well things move a lot in the stores more than you expect so yeah uh, see i always want from the topic of like lowe's and home depot it is just like a a nerf method that will tell me what steps to do to actually put something together in terms of like taking a look at like what I have built so far and, and making sure that I don't build it wrong the first time. So that I, yeah. I 
looking forward to yeah and finding and to me also finding something is a solution i feel like like it's 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 hard to really beat upon like okay i look up where this object is i want to buy i want to buy an impact hammer i don't know something something like that impact drill i mean uh from from home depot and it'll say okay it's well it's, it's aisle aisle eight bay 37 well i can walk to that i don't need a headset to get me there mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure us humans are pretty good at that um but yes like it's when these complicated like you said doing something that perhaps perhaps is something more more um more complex that doesn't have those signages and things that could be really helpful uh, like i don't know maybe you're at a an oil and gas um plant and it's like there's parts of that plant that are so complex and you rare someone rarely ever goes and checks these valves and gauges well that won't be touched in between so maybe it gets nerfed you know and then it'll it'll walk you to what to do once you get there and how to get there and all that so yeah it'll be interesting which way that goes yeah so it's going to be fascinating to see how you know all these different methods build on top of one another to create these uh yeah. new experiences for people and yeah i i do think that you know while it's not by any means a you know photogrammetry killer uh yet i think that it does you know at least start that pathway a bit yeah and, and the whole sdf field it, it's 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 implicit neural representations uh it's it's not new it's been moving and just know that like it's at, at, at a point it's it's getting to the point where it is depending on how detailed you want it to be that it is getting in real time where you're getting robots to be able to navigate off this technology and things like that um, and then they talked about in this paper how you're not using, uh, it's not guided. So like in the past, you could perhaps take like, let's say LIDAR, or you could take a point cloud using photo, you know, photogrammetry structure for motion to aid them getting the 3D model. It's just saying, hey, we're even beating those that has an aid. It's like, this is unaided. This is just using pure images. And that's really exciting because then it's, it's like you, you're removing all that compute time to get some, some supplementary, um, data to help figure out where the surfaces are so that's really really exciting i think we should do i i would love to do a follow-up episode where we actually talk about some of these concepts in sdf and all that yeah uh, maybe demystify it for people uh, yeah because okay. i deal with it a lot and i think a lot of people just like it goes over their head um not that you really need to understand it but it, it helps to know like what's you know like what is sdf what what does that is in versus this classical stuff we've been doing why is it magic and then also like what are the pitfalls why why in some cases it isn't the perfect um the perfect technology so. yeah yeah we should definitely you know we'll, we'll add it to the, the episode list yeah. uh the the one question i have and i don't think there has been any answers or any comment on it just yet from nvidia is just when will it be available you know, when will, uh, even if you say, if you have, you know, a supercomputer and you want to try it out and you have the actual power to do it, when can you do it? And so yeah. I don't think that it's been addressed yet. Um, I have a feeling that once it is addressed, um, you know, getting instant NGP uh, running it was going to make a huge difference, but I'm very curious to see what the actuals would, would take to run it. Yeah. Um, and I don't have it up on my screen. I thought I did. Uh, you know, they haven't even been updating instant NGP. So I, I mean, it they had a tiny update today but it or a couple days ago i do wonder if they're working on some sort of huge update you know like adding this the whole framework to it or you know i think we don't know they've been quiet but it feels like you know for a while they were pushing updates like every day um and now it's like what's happening 
Are they yeah. working on this big, this this big massive update? Uh, right. I do. Here's a poster for CVPR worth a look. That that's coming up at the end of the month here, end of uh, um, <clears throat> June. That's a computer vision and pattern recognition conference, the premier conference in this whole technology. And uh, they could announce the code maybe during that or after that. I don't know. There's something maybe to keep an eye on, but um, yeah. it could be that that's what they're waiting for because you hear it June 18th through 22nd in Vancouver, BC. Yeah. Um, they I, might be waiting. Curious. Yeah, we'll have to see if they demo it or, or not. Um, while if you are going to CVPR, though, there is going to be a Nerf art gallery on display, <laughs> uh, I think curated by uh, a collection of people, including John Barron over at Google. So if you're going, I highly recommend checking it out. Send photos. I will not be attending. Uh, so I'm very curious to see what it looks like. But apparently there's over, I think, something like two hours worth of nerfs uh, that are going to be like cycling yeah. through. Yeah, I won't be there either. But I also have, I also have, I'll be in that art gallery. And, and what's amazing is that uh, you submitted up to a minute <laughs> for the art gallery. So if they have that much, they had a lot of submissions, which is exciting. Right. Um, but it wasn't, it's an AI, it's an AI art gallery. So it's anything to do It's it could be other things as well besides nerve. So it'll Got be it. interesting. I, I hope that they post it online as well for people who aren't attending. Um, yes. To see. Same, same here. Yeah. Otherwise I will have to, uh, ask someone to wait for two hours. <laughs> yeah. I don't want a coworker to sit there with an iPhone and record it for two yeah. hours and send me a recording that's shaky. So exactly. Yeah. So Hopefully it gets published online. I'm really looking forward to seeing all the other papers that come out in advance of that. Um, there've been more than I could possibly keep up with thus far, and we're still a few weeks away. So uh, it's been amazing to see all of the new technology coming out, uh, Nerf related and um, and otherwise. So I've been really excited to see how it's everything's been progressing. Yeah, and if I, if you're really curious, because CVPR is where a lot of this big announcement stuff comes, you know, is coming from. If you do go to the CVPR website, if you just type in CVPR 2023, um, there is in their news they have a list of accepted papers and awarded candidates. And it's a gigantic list. I mean, like thousands of papers get accepted every year. But um, they now have a version where you can go look at the list uh, is a Google Drive. Uh, sorry, not Google Drive, a Google Sheet. And then you can just type in the word like, the word like neural <laughs> and just start scrubbing through it. And you'll start to find the papers in there. Um, and it, you also have a link to the, the PDF page for a lot of them. So you, or you could just go then see the name of the paper and go put it in to Google and you can usually find it, but it's, it's, it's fun to see, you know, what's out there. I found some gems that are solving a very small problem for neural networks or for, um, you know, computer vision community in general that it's, are just uh, like it, it, you know, like the underwater one, you know, yeah. like most people aren't taking nerfs underwater, but. Uh, sure enough, someone is, and uh, in fact, I know someone personally who makes underwater camera systems, and they he got really excited when I I sent him that, and he's like, "Oh my goodness!" Because doing underwater nerfs is just not very, this doesn't work very well because of all the scattering of the light and um, all the sediment, things like that, just becomes like a cloudy mess. And he's like, "Well, if I yeah. can remove that, you know, very yes. helpful." See through nerf blows my mind that yeah. that someone has figured that out. And yeah, yeah I, I have a friend uh, who's currently in Hawaii right now, uh, who's actually very active in the Nerf community. It's uh, James Perlman of Turbo Nerf. And yeah, you know, 
hopefully we'll get some underwater nerfs coming coming back from from that trip or, or uh we'll have to see but there are a ton of papers that have just been amazing to to really understand yeah definitely all right well i think that wraps up our first our, our first episode uh hopefully people like it. i love feedback people send us comments at the end of this um yeah, yeah, lots of news. It's like I blink and there's always five or six new things. And that's part of the magic of being close to CVPR. Everyone's putting out new papers. But uh, I'll be excited to see the stuff that go, gets out of the paper phase and gets right. into the code phase where we can play with it. Yeah, but I think now we're getting towards the portion of papers that were announced earlier in the year, such as MRF, that are now having their codes actually be released ahead of CVPR. So mm -hmm. I, I'm curious to see what uh, some of the other papers that announced earlier this year start to make it into uh, real world applications. And uh, yeah, but like you said, this is our first episode. There's you know clearly a, a lot to to build on. And um, let us know what you guys think. You know, any feedback that you guys have for us is uh, immensely appreciated. And yeah, hopefully, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully this wasn't a drag to. <laughs> hopefully you are sitting through it. So. Yeah. Yeah. If you're watching us on YouTube, leave a comment and let us know, like, hey, how did it go? If you want to add, if you, you know, we talked about news. We try to talk about like a big news item. We plan to interview some people. Um, but yeah, let us know what you think, how, how you'd like to see, you know, what, what you found most valuable. Cause I love feedback and these sort of things because we make them for ourselves, but we are also, you know, want to make sure it's valuable for everyone else listening in. Definitely. All right. With that, uh, how about you read us out, Michael? Well, that wraps up our very first episode of Dependent. We hope you enjoyed the deep dive into Neuralangelo and the roundup of the latest news. NERFs are consistently evolving and we want to evolve right there with it. We're committed to bringing you the most up-to-date and engaging content possible, but in order to do that, we'll need your help. So if you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing on your favorite podcast platform so you won't miss our next episode. And if you have a minute, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us any reviews and or feedback. Your feedback is immensely valuable to us, and this was our first show, so I'm sure there's a lot. So please feel free to reach out and, and let us know what you think so far. We also want to hear in case you have any comments or questions about today's topics. Do you have a different take on Neuralangelo? Or maybe you have some other insights about Matt Tantic's move over to Luma. Or perhaps you have some predictions about how Apple might use nerfs going forward. Whatever it is, we want to hear from you. You've been listening to View Dependent. We can't wait to take this journey with you.